The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about vexing vampires and insidious interventions. I'm your host for the evening, Otis Jiry, and tonight... Sitting in for my good friend Steve Taylor, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Scare in a Box and A.S. Lowe, our voice talents, Philip Ojeda, Danielle Hewitt, Melissa Axelberth, and Olivia Steele. 
Now get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Scare in a Box and is performed by Philip Ojeda and Danielle Hewitt. And it shows us that the vampire that lurks in this old house isn't your usual bloodsucker. Without further ado, I present to you The Hungry Fangs of Tolliver's Grove. The Hungry Fangs of Tolliver's Grove Narrated by Felipe Ojeda Death slept in the house at the end of Tolliver's Grove. It hadn't always slept there, but found the house to be conductive to its needs. Once Tolliver's Grove was a bustling bedroom community, but it relied on a nearby factory for prosperity. When the factory shut down, all the managers and accountants who had bought the cozy little houses nearby drifted elsewhere, leaving only husks behind. The creature likes such husks. There was a thin, fragile creature with weak limbs incapable of much in the way of physical defense, so shelter was essential as it lay in wait for life to consume. It only needed to feed rarely, and this house was perfect. Ever so often, something with a beating heart and warm red blood would enter. It would take its sustenance and wait. Death slept in the house, but things that sleep can also wake. The creature didn't have a name. It was not aware enough of the world outside itself to understand the need for a name, but out in the world it might be called a vampire for its penchant for drinking blood and leaving hollowed-out husks behind. Like vampires of human legend, it vaguely resembled a human in shape and coloring. But that is where they diverged from conventional expectations. Rather than fangs and claws, the creature had an extra organ on its back that resembled a hump, and rather than a human head, its features more closely resembled an anteater with large blood-red eyes. Death slept most of the time, but the creature woke on the evening in question. It smelled blood in the air, and its stomach rumbled. Its long, thin fingers rubbed over its hairless head as it woke, and then down over the top of its hump. Hundreds of holes spread over the top of the hump. It used these to feed. When it was ready, hundreds of tick-like creatures bred inside the hump would emerge, gather the blood the vampire needed, and then it would eat the ticks until it was satiated. The noises of the house told it that prey had entered. Prey, in this instance, was a group of urban explorers who had heard whispered rumors of the house on Tolliver's Grove. People said odd things happened there. Locals said the house was haunted. Some went as far as to say the whole street was cursed, but the explorers had come only for the one house. They bought trappings of modern discovery, including cameras, EMP detectors, headlamps, and sleeping bags to stay the night. The creature knew none of this. It only knew a meal had arrived. Nor did the noises the people made make any sense to it at all. The human speech was no more meaningful than a bird's warbling, except the creature knew that people had more blood, and that these noises meant people. In this case, it was five people, two couples, and one single. A proper feast. The creature listened to the noises to track them around the house. 
When their voices got too close, they would creep away. It was sequester in a closet or climb up in the vents if needed. Once it shimmied up inside the flue at the back of the fireplace to ascend to the second floor. It certainly looks creepy here, one of them said. Sometimes these local haunted houses are just disappointing, but this place had an aura. I love it. Let's take a brief look around, another said. Then we'll pick a spot and set up for the night. They clambered over the house looking for things of interest, exclaiming over this and that as they moved. They particularly went crazy over an upstairs bedroom with a chimney connected to the downstairs fireplace. Their EMF devices went off there, though they might be interested to know that the only supernatural thing present was in exactly the opposite direction at the time. The vampire hunkered in the shadows, mostly in a closet. The meal smelled delightful, and it waited for them to settle down into one spot so it could pick its own place for the night. Its consumption method worked well with its prey close to the vampire since the vampire didn't actually feed upon the prey directly, but sent out hordes of little blood-sucking fleas to gather its meal. We should stay in the fireplace room tonight, one of the explorers said. Her name, though the vampire neither knew nor cared, was Eve. She was the newest member of the group, and as such, always tried a little too hard. Her boyfriend was part of it and had talked the others into bringing her along. She'd been telling her own friends that he was the one. The pressure of making things work was especially strong for her. Unlike the others, she noticed the odd piles of fur around the edges of the room, leftovers from the vampire's meals. But she was afraid to point it out and have them laugh, so she said nothing. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Eve's boyfriend, Joe, throwing an arm around his girlfriend, said, This room's good. He had been sleeping with Eve's best friend for a few months until the other woman broke things off and threatened to tell. Given this, Joe was particularly preoccupied with making sure things seemed innocent and not at all focused on finding supernatural clues. Even I'll stay here. The other couple claimed one of the side bedrooms for the night. Grace and Kelly didn't want to be exploring anymore, but they hadn't told each other that. Both of them kept it a secret for the other's sake. Only the unoccupied guy was left to select a spot to sleep for the night. He glanced nervously around him. Uh, I guess I'll stay downstairs. Someone should. The truth was, he didn't mind the distance from the others. He suspected none of them took this seriously. 
at least not as seriously as he did. George really believed in ghosts and the supernatural. His parents had died when he was young, only 15, and since then, he had a personal mission for proving things on the other side of the veil existed. What did worry him was the feel of the house. It was too quiet without any of the usual evidence of animal intrusion. If asked, he would have said the house seemed unnaturally quiet. No one asked. There are no bedrooms down there, Grace said practically. Are you certain you want to sleep there? She smelled particularly good to the vampire, and so he tracked her words closely. I don't need a bedroom, George said. It always feels like a horror movie when we camp out places like this, Kelly said. Grace leaned her head on Kelly's shoulder. Let's hope not, since I think only Eve comes anywhere near final girl status. You sure you want to sleep alone? Kelly asked. In horror movies. This isn't a horror movie, George snapped, then smiled to soften the harsh tone of his words. The house had him on edge. They went back to exploring, and the vampire hid. Ticks buzzed inside its hump, preparing for the huge meal. It would need a lot of ticks to transport so much blood. Most would end up wasted. The vampire could only ingest so much, but it wasn't interested in food conservation. Each of the nearby creatures would provide it with a snack. Grace would be the main course. The skin of its hump rippled and a few stray ticks emerged from the holes. Nighttime came, as it always did, after the day slowly frittered its time away. The people did not immediately go to sleep, which irritated the vampire vaguely. It was hungry, and the red-blooded things usually fell asleep in a timely fashion. These, however, turned on old false lights to light the house well after the sun was down. George and Joe lit a fire in the fireplace, and the vampire didn't like the smell of the gas they used to help ignite the small blaze. Luckily for the vampire, they put the fire out when Eve complained it made too much smoke and wasn't actually heating everything. Finally, they pulled out their sleeping bags and settled down. The vampire found a convenient spot between a derelict toilet and a shower. It was directly between the two couples. When their heartbeat slowed with sleep, it hunkered down, positioning its hump above it like a turtle shell, and emitted the first cloud of ticks, and it felt the heat pouring off of them, allowing it to track them easily. Eve was the first to feel the ticks bite. She stirred in her sleep, smacking at her lip where the first settled. Then the cloud fell in force. She woke, eyes flying wide, and she tried to stand to fight, but millions of fleas clouded over her, and in the end, she didn't fight at all. The deadly mantle settled around her until all she saw was a rippling blackness. She slipped into a deeper sleep, an eternal one. Meanwhile, the vampire put off another cloud of ticks, and another, and another. It kept pumping them out as fast as it could. It had lived in the house a long time, and in that time its ticks had chewed tiny holes through the walls, ceilings, and floors. They traveled without impediment through the house and the rooms, swarming under doors and seemingly blooming out of the woodwork. Joe woke up more quickly, perhaps alerted by Eve's brief struggles. He managed to get to his feet and stumble a few feet, 
swatting at the air at a seemingly endless cloud of death. He caught a few ticks that had already fed, splattering droplets of his own blood along with ticks over his body. His head grew light, and he fell. He crawled a few more feet, dragging himself towards some impossible salvation. By this time, the vampire was feeding, slipping in snoutfuls of ticks and drawing the blood from their tiny bodies. Grace and Kelly felt the bites of the ticks at the same time. Kelly might have made it to the window and attempted to jump to safety, if not for Kelly stopping for Grace. Kelly wouldn't leave without Grace, and she passed away without ever waking. It might have comforted Kelly to know that as death stole over them both, leaping from the window wouldn't have stopped the ticks. They would have been just as happy drinking from her on the grass as inside the house. Death came swiftly, drained one drop at a time, but by hundreds of thousands if not millions of ticks. The vampire gorged itself on Kelly and Grace. Already there was too much blood to consume. Many of the ticks were dying around the room in piles against the walls. It didn't see any point in creating more ticks for the creature downstairs. It ate until it could eat no more, and then hunkered down closed its great red eyes, and fell into a dreamless sleep. Unfortunately for the vampire, humans weren't like their usual mindless prey. Had it been a family of raccoons that fed the vampire that night, it would have slept deeply and long and woken refreshed. This was not what happened. Instead, it woke smelling smoke. It twitched and opened a red eye to thick air, Piles of ticks still lay around the room. It might have snapped on some of them later if not for the heat and smoke quickly filling the upstairs bathroom. The vampire scuttled out of the room and into the hall, only to find the same problem there. In fact, it saw flames coming from some of the rooms and from the stairs. It let out a high squealing noise, the only sound it ever made, and turned to climb into the vents. But they were hot, burning its skin. Fear of death is ingrained, and it turned out that even this creature of death could feel the racing pulse of terror at the idea of its own life snuffed out. There weren't many options of where to go. It could have braved the window and jumped down, but it didn't see any clear path out that way. It hurried down a few stairs but found its way to the front door blocked by flame. There was one last avenue. It ran over to the chimney on the second floor bedroom. It had on occasion shimmied up and down the flue to get someplace. This time up seemed more tempting, but it feared it would be trapped there if it reached the roof. Its limbs were too thin and fragile to survive a fall. So instead, the creature used its long hairless arms and legs to propel itself through the tight chimney flue to the ground floor. Then it crawled from the chimney, skin coated in old ash and eyes stinging from fresh smoke, there was a clear path to the back door. It ran out, smoke billowing after it. Behind the house was an expanse of woods. New woods, since back when the factory off Tolliver's Grove had been functioning, it was a park. The vampire scurried towards the trees but glanced back toward the line of the houses along the street. Perhaps it briefly considered simply switching houses. But something instinctual told it it was not wise. The vampire's last glance of the street saw George 
in front of the house, watching it burn. The flames cast a bright, hungry glow, and a thick plume of black smoke curled up into the sky. George's face was covered in tears, and he held a red gas can. The vampire wasn't hungry, so George didn't interest it overly much, but it did wonder briefly what the red-blooded man was doing. It couldn't have known, and it wouldn't have cared, that George had woken early to find his friends dead and the unexplicable hordes of ticks covering the entire house. George had finally found his proof of the supernatural, and he wished he hadn't. If he'd stopped to think of it, maybe he would have been glad that he wasn't in a horror movie and survival wasn't predicated on final girl tropes. The vampire headed off into the woods. If it carried anything with it from its experience, the vampire held the slight sorrow for losing its stored snacks and its feeding grounds. But both things had happened to the vampire before, and would again. Death lives a very long time. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I hope you enjoyed The Hungry Fangs of Tolliver's Grove. As written by Scare in a Box and voiced by Philippe Ojeda and Danielle Hewitt. If you enjoyed Scare in the Box's work and would like to find more, head on over to their Reddit profile by the same name. Our second tale of the evening comes to us from author A.S. Lowe and is performed by Philip Ojeda, Danielle Hewitt, Melissa Exelberth, and Olivia Steele. In it, we meet a man surrounded by family and friends who are there to tell him 
is just not the same anymore. Now, without further ado, I present to you... My family just gave me the strangest intervention. My family just gave me the strangest intervention. Narrated by Felipe Ojeda. I got off of work at three, expecting a normal day of the usual errands. Tim needed to be brought to soccer practice at 3.45. I didn't need to pick up Rose until seven, since tennis practice always runs late on Wednesdays. That would leave me enough time to refill Evelyn's midnight ice cream that she didn't think I knew about. All in all, it was supposed to be another boring day at the Sears household. This illusion was blown out of the water when I opened my front door and found my entire family sitting in the living room. My couch was taken up by Evelyn, Rose, and Tim, while the love seat was taken up by my mother, who I didn't expect to come over until Sunday for our weekly visit. Hey there, uh, I said trailing off as I took a scan of the room and noticed the look of concern on everyone's faces. What's going on? Mom smiled a bit and answered. Could you sit down, please, George? We have some things we'd like to discuss, as a family. Okay, I said as I sat in the recliner, the one seat left unoccupied in our normally uncrowded living room. What's this all about? Well, Tim tried and failed to articulate a response. I mean, it, it can't be an intervention... I quit drinking months ago, I said to try to lighten whatever overhang of worry was hanging over the rest of the family. No one said anything. Look, I know I've been going a bit overboard with the chocolate and soda lately, but I didn't even think it would gotten to the level I'd need an intervention. If that's it, I can cut back on them. Hell, I'll stop buying them. It's not that, George. Mother interrupted me. We just needed to tell you something. It's a bit hard to get out in the open. We know, Rose said suddenly. I looked at my 15-year-old daughter to try to read the look on her face that couldn't quite decide whether it was terrified or relieved, like it had been hiding a secret that she was both terrified of and relieved to finally have out in the open. Know what? I asked. My wife Evelyn was the one who responded. We're not idiots, George. Or whoever you are. I could feel my face trying to go pale at the words, but I wouldn't let it. What the hell are you talking about, Ev? We've been married for 20 years. I think I would know if I wasn't me. George. My mother said. Just please listen to our concerns before dismissing them offhand. She was right, as always. Sorry, Mom. Who wants to go first? She said after another second of silence. I looked at the people I cared most about in the world. My beautiful wife, Evelyn, who I had mistreated for so long. My wonderful Rose, who in only two years would be heading off to college somewhere. And with her younger brother, Tim, following three years behind it, would only be a little while before I no longer had a chance to make up for my previous mistakes. Dad? Tim was the first to break the silence. How long have I been playing soccer? Easy enough question to answer, I thought at the time. Uh, You've been playing for two years. What kind of I've been playing since I was eight? That... What? 
I asked. That wasn't possible. I remember two years ago when he brought the first forms from his middle school to sign. Don't be so surprised that he doesn't remember Tim, Rose said in response. He was drinking a lot. That's not fair. Your father hasn't had a drink in over a- I interrupted her. It's okay, Ev. I haven't exactly been the best father. That's an understatement, Rose said under her breath. Rose! Evelyn said in shock. What? That's why we're here, right? To talk about the thing that's impersonating Dad? Um, what? I said, unable to fully process what had just been said. George. My mother said from the love seat. Dad, you haven't been yourself for the past year. And I mean that in the most literal sense I can say it. You stopped drinking. For fuck's sake, you quit smoking. Of course I did. I was smoking two packs a day. I felt like shit most of the time because I was hungover. I just wanted a change. And we can understand that, Mom said. But it's not just that. I looked at all of them again. Could they really think I was a completely different person because I wanted to better myself? Was I really that terrible of a person? You've never been to a single soccer game. Never been to one of Rose's tennis matches. I went to one last week, I corrected. Until last year. Evelyn continued. When you started going to every single game, like a flip was switched, you went from not caring at all to suddenly acting like you actually loved your family. That's not true. While it was true that I hadn't been that attentive as a father until, as she said, a year ago, I do remember going to a couple of games over the years, even if I was buzzed for most of them. It is, Evelyn said in response. The look on her face told me that it wouldn't be a good time to argue the finer details about the times I only had fuzzy memories of. George, how much do you remember about your father? My mom asked. Of course he would be brought up in this conversation. Too much, unfortunately. That chain-smoking asshole couldn't care less about how we felt. What he was doing to us. What he didn't do for us. I'm just glad I was able to go over to Oliver's every once in a while to get away from it. I honestly don't know how you dealt with it for so many years, Mom. Mom turned her head and looked at Evelyn with a worried look on her face. Evelyn sighed before asking, Who's Oliver? My best friend from school. He was at our wedding. Evelyn interrupted. I've never met Oliver. I didn't even know you knew anyone named Oliver until you mentioned him six months ago. That's not possible. I've known him since elementary school. Mom, you remember Oliver, right? My mother looked at me with a sad face and shook her head. I wish you had such a good friend when you were growing up. You probably would have ended up a better person. More like the person you are. I know I was drinking a lot, but I didn't make up my best friend. If you remember him, why don't you call him? Rose asked. You know what? I will. Then we can put this ridiculous thing to bed right now. I pulled out my phone and went to my contacts list. Oliver's phone number wasn't in there. That's weird. I scrolled through the contacts list again to be sure it wasn't there. It wasn't. Good thing he hasn't changed his number since high school. I dialed the number I had dialed a million times in the middle of the night to get away from my father's yelling and wall punching. A number that had never failed to answer at my midnight pleas for help. A number I hadn't called enough in the past couple of years. Hello? A woman's voice answered. 
um, I didn't know how to respond immediately. I took a second and composed myself. Is Oliver there? It's George. The voice on the other side of the phone didn't answer. Hello? I said. I'm sorry, there's no Oliver here. I think you have the wrong number. Before I could respond, I heard the beep with the phone hanging up. That's weird. He must have changed his number since I last called him. You don't have to keep pretending, Dad, Tim said suddenly. George, it's not just Oliver. It's everything about you. The little things you notice about a person you've been married to for 20 years. The little ticks and quirks that you get used to. The little bits of drool while you sleep. The slight turn of your hand when you grab a can of soda before you drink it. It's everything. All of the little things are all wrong. I thought I was going crazy until Tim came to me a month ago and expressed the same things. I turned my head to look at my son. You've only interrupted mom once this whole time. You never would have done that before. I looked at Evelyn who gave me a weak smile confirming what our son had just said. So what are you saying? That I'm not your husband? That I'm not the man who's been married to you for 20 years? That I'm not the father of our children? Is this an intervention because I stopped being an asshole? My mom sighed. There's one more thing. She leaned forward and grabbed a piece of paper that had been on the coffee table and handed it to me. I took the proffered paper and took a look at it. The results of my physical last month. I read the paper more closely. My cholesterol was a little bit high, but otherwise it seemed normal. What's this got to do with anything? How tall does it say you are? Evelyn asked. I took a look at the paper. Six foot three. Evelyn reached into her pocket and grabbed another piece of paper. You remember going to your last physical? I thought for a second. Uh, I think so. She handed me the folded paper and I took a look at it. The same letterhead from the same doctor's office as the first. Same layout of medical jargon with numbers that showed high cholesterol. One of the few differences on this paper was bright as day considering the question that had just been asked of me just a second before. The paper had my height as six foot one. I stared at it, looking for any discrepancies that would prove this thing to be a fake of some type. I couldn't find anything. I don't know who or what you are, but you aren't the George I married, Evelyn said. I kept staring at the paper without actually reading anything on it. But it's okay, she continued. I looked up at her soft smile. You're better than him. You're a better father, a more attentive and supportive husband. You actually talk to your mother. I looked over at Mom. She had the same soft smile of resignation that was on Evelyn's face. You actually come to my soccer games, Tim said. And my tennis matches? Rose said. And you don't act creepy around my friends. You're a better person than my father could ever be. Whoever you are. (laughs) 
I hope you enjoyed my family. Just gave me the strangest intervention. As written by A.S. Lowe and is performed by Philippe Hoyeda, Danielle Hewitt, Melissa Exelberth, and Olivia Steele. You can find more of A.S. Lowe's work right here on his Reddit profile by searching U slash Cawdor. That's C-A-W-D-O-R. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and reminding you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a five-star review and a kind word, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a Patreon at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, filling in for Steve Taylor, and as always, it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs>Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.